What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays, Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s, John Moranch, Joe Johnson's, Shaw Rafts, of course. We've got Jays we got for Days. Josh, how you doing? I feel like we could have just done the same thing we did for last week's first podcast and just inserted different teams into the panic meter. Now, we chose to do something different, but... I, does it feel like these last two weekends have been really bizarre to you too? Or am I just exaggerating because we're so used to not having any kind of drama after last season when Gonzaga and Baylor just never lost? I think it's a combination of last year and then I think Baylor was getting to the point where we were like, hmm, is Baylor really that good? Is Baylor just going to walk through the Big 12 like they did last year? And then out of nowhere, it was, okay, they got got at Waco in Waco. Was it Texas Tech game in Waco? Or was it a Texas yes. Tech? Well, we went from Baylor is undefeated, Baylor keeps smoking teams, Baylor keeps controlling teams to Baylor lost in Waco twice. And I think, and and I wasn't, I wasn't sold that Baylor was head and shoulders above the rest of the country, but I think it's probably mostly the former, especially when it comes to the top two or three teams in the Mm -hmm. sport or even the top five teams in the sport. Like this is just going to happen this year. And it happened to a larger degree and then you add the things like it took until like 3.30 on Saturday afternoon for a top 25 team to win. Right. And there were like six teams that played in the twelve in the noon window. So I think it was the combination of the two. And then we're kind of left here on this Monday morning with, well, who's, who's the best team in the country? Because, I mean, at least I, I think a, a handful of people, most people would say that Baylor was until a week ago and – but, like, I'm not sure the best team in the country is losing twice in a row at home to anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if they played the two other three best teams in the sport, I feel like they win one of those, at least one of those games. And they certainly don't lose to Oklahoma State after losing at home to Texas Tech. Um, so, I don't know. I think it's a combination of those things. But it's uh, it was certainly a wild weekend this past weekend. And it was in the same conversation as the one before. Yeah, it's just strange. It just seems like teams are so inconsistent this year for the most part that the sky is falling. And then, I mean, even Marquette, just just throw throw out a random team that we're not going to discuss at all here, right? At various points, they looked exciting, horrifying, and now back to being an above-average Big East team that's well on their way to making the NCAA tournament. Or, right, you've got the Baylor situation, Texas Tech then goes and loses after – we were singing their praises last week. It's just strange, which of course, part of this is just college basketball. Right. But I feel like there is a, and maybe it's again, maybe it is just because last year we were so used to these teams not losing, but just feel like it's been in a fun way, just strange the past couple of weekends. With that being said, let's do winners and losers real quick before we let's get to reassessing each conference here. Um, but we'll start with winners and losers per usual. Who is your winner after quite a 
interesting week in the sport. There is one answer, as far as I'm concerned. The Oregon Ducks are back from the dead. The Duckies. I mean, I really didn't want to give up on them. They gave me no choice. Mm -hmm. And then they pulled out three conference road wins, one at UCLA, one at USC. They scored at least 78 points in all three games. Now, the other one was Oregon State, so that, you know, is what it is. The Beavers just aren't good, but Right, they couldn't score. It was surprisingly the closest game of the three. (laughs) Right, that too. (laughs) Yeah, they couldn't score the basketball for months, and all of a sudden they're looking like a good offensive team, which is what they should be. They're up to fifty-first in Ken Palm. They've won five straight. They have four home games to close out the month because they just went and played three conference road games. They could easily push this thing to close to ten in a row. Now, they are not. And those road games are Washington State, Washington, and Oregon State. Right. So, like. Uh, they, I mean, they could put two and a half players out on the floor and win all three of those games. You would I think. mean, uh, unless they do something like they were doing early in the season right. when they're getting beat handily by St. Mary's. Right. That's the that's the weird thing is how real is this? Now, I tend to believe this is 100% real because I loved this team coming into the season, but you still got to win the games you're supposed to. Otherwise, this only matters so much because they're – the amount of losses they have and the quality of those losses is just still not where it needs to be. But by going and beating two of the top three teams in your conference, maybe four, if you feel like Oregon's better than USC, we'll see how things play out. But three of the two of the three best teams you're going to play in your conference. I feel safe saying that. And putting together this kind of week, it opens the door back up to Oregon ending up in a place more in the vein of what I thought they could be and what they were expected to be this season, which coming into this week was not anywhere near the realm of possibility without winning all of these, all three of these games. Yeah. They really had no choice if they wanted to go into February with a chance to get an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. They really didn't have a choice. Maybe they could have split UCLA USC. Sure. But you you got more questions. Now you feel like they're, I feel like they're kind of back to square one at this Mm -hmm. point. Do what you're supposed to, and you'll get there. This is my winner as well. I mean, when you beat two of the AP top five teams on the road, even if it's in the Pac-12, and if you ask me to give you the five best teams in the sport, neither of those teams would be on my list. It is what it is still. Those are two AP top five teams. You played both of them on the road. And what do you know? The, The Ducks are in business. It is still... I think putting it the way you just did is good to suggest that they are back to square one because you're still only 11 and six. Yeah. And when you look right they're they're probably the epitome of, okay, this, we were just wrong about this team rather than, and maybe we end up not being that wrong. They just had the most horrendous start of all time. But when you look back, you still haven't lost to a team. Well, never mind. You had a really bad start to Pac-12 play. Yeah, and that's the other part is it's not like they all of a sudden shot up the Pac-12 standings with this week. Now, certainly it right. helps. I mean, they picked up three Ws, but right, it, it, there is 
there isn't a clear separation between Pac-12 and non-con. Right. Where you look at it and you go, oh, sort of uh, to, to a certain degree, Illinois, right? Illinois is just running through the Big Ten. Now they lost today, but they're right. They, they had those two games at the beginning where they were still playing bad basketball. And that's part of this too. Right. I mean, so, you know, we'll see, right? I mean, at the end of the day, like they, they handled USC on Saturday, one by 13. They beat Oregon State and UCLA by a combined total of five points, and one of them was an overtime. So I say that to say, did the Ducks perhaps save their season in the sense that they don't have to do something ridiculous now to get into the tournament? Yeah, probably. But am I sold that the Ducks are, like, we're, we're talking about three field goals going separate directions across two games from them going one and two and and being 10 and eight and three and three in the conference instead of 11 and six with these two wins and four and two in the conference i say that to say this they are absolutely winners this week i will i will stand by on how good i actually think oregon is because when you win games that are that close and you still have like only six point wins over UC Riverside and Pepperdine this year. Like I will continue to be cautious, but it's a very Dana Altman thing for him, for him and his team to have kind of figured it out and be rolling at the right time. Yeah. And one of those teams doesn't matter how it looks at the beginning you never want to play, and, and we're still early, but come March, you never want to play. And if we get to March and they still only have been able to put together a resume of a seven seed or an eight seed, then I'm still, like, if I'm the one seed in that bracket that gets to play Oregon in the second round, I'm, I'm upset. Mm-hmm. Yep, That's just unfortunate. Who's your loser? Seton Hall. Talk to me about Seton Hall. This is another team I really like. And then they lost 96-92 to DePaul. That's Followed a bad that loss. Up, yeah. Followed that up with a 73-72 loss to Marquette. And not only are these, again, a team that was depleted and took some tough losses at the beginning of conference play, you add these two that you should have had, and now all of a sudden it's really getting troublesome. I will continue to put very little stock in conference records and think Seton Hall will be fine. But DePaul shot 45 free throws and Marquette shot 30, sorry, 50% from three. That is horrifying if I'm Kevin Willard. I'm not sure which is scarier. But we talked at no, consistently at the beginning of this season when Seen Hall was playing really well about how good their defense was, particularly on the perimeter. And they gave up 96 points to DePaul. On top of that, this is not no, this is no longer the depleted version. This is more or less full strength. They're not missing all these key guys. If your defense is going to be that bad, this team is not built, even with Bryce Aiken doing what he's doing, they're not built to score enough points to consistently beat the good teams in the Big East. They got to get back to what they were doing defensively because – I feel if this is the Seton Hall team that's going to show up, I feel very differently than I did two weeks ago. Whether it's fair or not, when you're banged up for whatever reason, 
and you have a stretch that is tough-ish, right? And you and it you couple it with it happened to be Providence and Villanova that they played. Fair or not, your margin of error is smaller. Fair enough. And as a result, they're now third from the bottom of this conference. Yep. Only DePaul has lost more games in conference because Georgetown's 0-3 and they keep, you know, COVID paused and all of that, all of those shenanigans. But only one of the team has lost more games than Seton Hall in conference at this point. And it's the team they've lost to. Right. And, and like, you can't lose back-to-back games against DePaul and Marquette. I mean, you already can't do that, even if you don't have a margin of error that decreases. But you gotta take, you gotta find a way to win those games. You just do. Even and and right as you said, Marquette. I'm not really sure how to feel about Marquette because sometimes they look like a team that nobody wants to play, and then sometimes they look like a team that our intramural basketball team could beat. <laughs> But DePaul is unacceptable. DePaul's still one in five. DePaul still hasn't figured out how to win games in the Big East. And you let them put a 96 spot on you. 96. You should never lose a game in college basketball when you score 92. Ever. Certainly not to DePaul. So I don't... And it's... Still, you know, the worst, those are easily the worst losses of their season still. And they were on the road in conference play. So like, it's not a massive deal yet, but these are, you know, the kind of things that could cost them a seed line. These are the kind of things that could cost them a chance to make a run in the Big East tournament, just because like you end up with the sixth seed and all of a sudden you got to play Villanova in the semis or, or the, the third the three seed in but you got to play Xavier in the first round and then Villanova or something right and that could bump you up a seed line like these are all things that have a a domino effect and these are things that 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 really just that just can't happen my loser is the top of the SEC Mm. because I, I I kind of went into this weekend thinking or into this week and specifically this weekend thinking that the SEC, the top of the SEC, you know, Auburn is clearly legit in pretty much every way. But, like, Alabama lost twice this week, once to Auburn, but, like, then they go and lose to Mississippi State. Tennessee gets shown the absolute – like, Kentucky played the best offense they've ever played ever, like, literally. Against Tennessee, a team that we've already discussed, like if they're going to win games against good teams, it's because they're going to lock them down because they're not going to score. Like Mm -hmm. if Tennessee scores 79 points against anybody, I'm expecting them to win every single one of those games. They lost that game by 30. And then LSU, your other sort of, who seemed to be the other team. I mean, I said it on the last pod. I'm looking forward to this race between LSU and Auburn, but like, Losing at home to Arkansas, I'm almost ready to write them off as as a team that can win the SEC because Auburn went and took care of business on the road at Ole Miss. And, like, is Ole Miss a good basketball team? No, but neither is Arkansas. Like, not really. 
they're they're probably better than Ole Miss, Ole Miss, but they're still not a high quality. They're a average SEC team, and if you're really serious about trying to win the conference, you got to win those games at home. Um. So it, it so now I don't really know how to feel because like Auburn's five and zero. Texas A&M yep. is alone in second at 4-0. Yep. Now, haven't played any of the – right, they have no signature conference wins yet. They've played in a very easy schedule to this point, but they're beating sure. everybody. Sure. And, and right, LSU, after losing to Auburn, you know, went went against Kentucky, went against Tennessee, went at Florida. But my point being is that, like, you can't – now they're 3-2. and two. So and Auburn is five and zero, and Auburn has wins over Florida, Alabama, and LSU. So like, it's not like Auburn started off with a bunch of cupcakes either. Mm-hmm. So I I guess maybe I'm the loser because I don't feel like this race is going to be quite as interesting as I thought it was going to be. But it was a super super weird Saturday for the SEC in general, and I came out just kind of being confused by the way the the conference is shaken up like Alabama and Tennessee they're combined 4 and 6 in conference right now like and they're supposed to be the what the depending on how you feel about Kentucky and how you feel about LSU and how you feel about Alabama and Tennessee but like at least two of the top 5 teams in the conference at least if not higher up than that and they're and Vanderbilt has a better and like Vanderbilt overall is 10 and six to Tennessee and, and I mean like Alabama's 11 and six. So like how much better is Alabama like in conference and like Vanderbilt's not good, all of these questions. And I thought I was almost getting to the point where at the top of the sec in terms of like, if you go five deep in every conference, is there a T is there a conference that goes five deep better than the sec? I think the answer is probably yes, but yeah. I thought it was like more of a conversation than maybe I think it is at this point. Yeah. If and, any of that made sense, I kind of yeah. just needed to ramble about the SEC. No, safe space. Thank the, you. <laughs> the, one thing I, the one thing I will say is, yes, while some of the teams are not having fun right now, it has paved the way for two teams that have put very quietly, put together very, very good seasons so far that are not getting any attention. You mentioned one in Texas A&M, the other one is Mississippi State, as you mentioned, getting that win over Alabama. The resumes don't stand out to you. They don't have that many signature wins. They haven't played that many high-profile games, but they're just winning basketball games. And some of the other teams we're looking to in this conference have not done a very good job of that, especially lately. So, yeah, it's a it's a strange place. There's no doubt about that. And, it, yeah, it just seems – it just seems like there's not the consistency you would like to see when you're comparing it to specifically the Big Ten or the big 12 in terms of what you're getting from those top five or so teams every, every time they take the court. And if, if Auburn has a bad week that I'm back into the same place, I feel like I am every single year at the sec. And that's a bunch of teams that don't seem to actually want to win the conference. Yeah. And how, how are any of them actually factors in the overall conversation? No, I think Auburn is rightfully, I mean, there are people who would tell you that Auburn should be number one in the AP poll this week. Um, I would be one of from a resume perspective. I don't think there's an argument that that should be the case. I also think that people who think that the AP poll is based on resume need to get over themselves. Um, It wasn't going to happen because Gonzaga was always going to be the number one team in the AP poll this week, but 
I think Auburn is deserving of that from in a lot of ways, from the eye test to the metrics to the resume and everything in between. But um, it was a weird weekend for the SEC. And maybe if I had to boil it down to one sentence, it would be that. It was just a weird weekend for them. Mm-hmm. All right. We need to reevaluate. Okay. Do we ever? Here's what's going to happen. Before the season started, we did a prolonged conference preview series. And as a part of that, as one does, we predicted the winner of each conference. Today, we're going to revisit, especially after the weird last couple of weekends. Today, we're going to revisit those decisions and stay with those teams, maybe move on from those teams, and make known what team we'd like to move on to if we'd like to move on. And it's going to be fantastic, and we'll probably be wrong again in a month and a half. So, are you ready? Are you prepared? I am. I got to say, some of these I'm feeling pretty good about. (laughs) Let's start with the ACC. Is that okay? Yeah. Do you have an issue with that? No. I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, and please stop me if if it is not serving me correctly, but I believe we both walked away from the ACC preview with the Blue Devils of Duke University and the magical pixie dust of Coach K um, being the the winner of the ACC. Is that correct? Is my memory serving me correctly? Yes. So, at 9.07 p.m., on January 17th, in the year of 2022, in the year of our basketball gods. Would you still put your chips in Duke's corner to win the ACC regular season? Absolutely. Some of these are going to be really interesting. Some of these aren't going to be much of a conversation. I feel like this falls into the latter category. They're tying the loss column, one game back of Miami in the win column. The fact that Miami proceeded to immediately give back the game that they got by beating Duke made me even more confident that Duke is going to win this conference and to Duke's credit responded to that loss with some comfortable wins over Wake Forest and NC state. Mm -hmm. To me, it was the COVID pause more than anything else. And they had a bad night, which they do every year as you like to harp on. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't typically win this conference, but there's nobody to capitalize on that this year. I, I like Miami. I think Miami's probably a top 25 team. Do I trust Miami, especially with that defense, to show up every night and win enough games to challenge this Duke team in a real way? No. That's about all I have to say. Yeah, there are four games left on Duke's schedule that are the most important. As long as they win – most of the games that they're supposed to, but right. We're looking at Miami at five and one who is still alone. And at the top of this conference, it goes Miami, Duke, UNC, Florida state, Notre Dame. I don't care about Notre Dame. Notre Dame's going to, you know, they'll go 10 and 10 in the conference or something, or somewhere around 500, but I maybe a couple games over, but I'm not worried about Florida, about Notre Dame. But Duke plays North Carolina and Florida State twice still. The first, you know, they'll play Florida State on the 18th. So tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you're hearing this, or yesterday. They could have already played, but right now it's tomorrow night. Um, that's at Florida State 
and then they play at UNC on February 5th, and then two of their last five games are once again against Florida State. They'll play them on February 19th and UNC on March 5th. Um, I don't think either... Did I say the last two are at home? uh, Yes, both Florida State (laughs) and UNC. Uh, Isn't that that convenient? Very convenient. Um, (laughs) But... It's actually they play Florida State at home, and then they play three straight road games before ending the season at the. At oh, home against okay, UNC. okay, that's a little bit better. Okay. Oh no, no, no! I thought Florida State is their, their fifth to okay. last game of okay. the season. I wasn't um, paying close enough attention to the date you were saying. Okay. And and I think both of those teams are going to have hiccups in conference play. It's a, I don't think either of those teams are going to force Duke to win 17 games here, but what Duke losing to Miami does is makes things a little bit more interesting when those in those four games against, and it's, it, they happen to play both of those teams twice rather than just once. So uh, I'm sticking with Duke. I think they'll, I still think they'll comfortably win this conference, but I, I have four very specific games uh, that I'm looking at when it comes to how comfortably and if we go into the last week of the regular season and Duke has it pretty much locked up or they need to play well to sort of cruise into a regular season title. Onwards. Which big conference would you like to go to next? Let's just go in numerical order. So Big Ten. The Big Ten. Roughly two months ago, when we chose our winners in the, of the Big Ten, I went with the Purdue Boilermakers. Is that where you went as well? I don't remember. Yep. Mm-hmm. You went with Purdue. Both of us are still fans of this team. They were both in our top tens in terms of Final Four teams on the last podcast. But honestly, they just come off a came off a big-time win against Illinois. But right now... The Boilermakers are four and two in conference and chasing teams, four different teams that already have more wins in conference than they do. Illinois at six and one, Wisconsin at five and one, Michigan State at five and one, should be six and oh, come on. <laughs> at the Breslin Center, really? It's always Northwestern. It is always. Say, it's some... always it's always in Evanston, but it's always Northwestern. <laughs> um, and then Ohio State five and two as well. So the Boilermakers four and two. Um, their losses at Rutgers and at home against Wisconsin. Those are their two uh, losses in conference play right now. But Josh, are you still going with the Boilermakers? Nope. Wow. That's so disrespectful. Who are you going with? I went back. Well, first of all, I made my other selections last night. No, this morning. It's hard to keep track of time. I intentionally waited on the Big Ten because I wanted to see how things played out this afternoon. That was quite a basketball game. (laughs) And then uh, my immediate reaction was I'm sticking with Purdue. And then I thought about it more. And I decided I'm going to pick Illinois because of one number. That number is zero. Would you like to guess the significance of zero? Zero... Is it in the box score? Yes. Hmm. I don't know. No, I don't know. Tell me. 
Andre Corbello not only came back, Andre Corbello didn't turn the ball over in a double overtime game. He tried really hard to at the end of the first overtime, though. He tried really hard to. In which he had 20.6 rebounds and three assists. He tried really hard to at the end of the first overtime. Really hard. Yeah. But but still. Even if he came here with just one, he still would would be impressive. The way that this played out, that Purdue absolutely kept Kobe Coburn in check, still needed two overtimes. Now, yes, they – and. They should have taken care of this before it got to a second overtime. But they didn't. They couldn't get the stop. They couldn't get the stops defensively they needed. And so this version of Andre Curbelo, who looks healthy and 100% full strength, ready to go, the player that everybody thought he was going to be this year, combined with what Alfonso Plummer and Trent Frazier have been doing in Curbelo's absence and the existence of Coburn. And the fact that Purdue had to win this game to have a shot. To me, the Big Ten was over. At least for the purposes of Purdue, if they did not win this game. There are too many difficult games on the schedule to make up three losses like that. Now, obviously, it's just one. I think this is going to be super close. And honestly, if I had to pick something, I might say it ends up being a tie. But... I, it's one loss to a really good team. I just, I came away impressed with Illinois and believing that this is absolutely who they are. And as you pointed out, Purdue still got some climbing to do. And I, I mentioned this when they had those losses, right? Michigan States of the world, Ohio States of the world, Wisconsin's of the world are all off to good starts. Now, Michigan State just laid an egg as we referenced, but there's still a lot of work to do to even get back to where you're neck and neck for the conference title. I, I, so I just, I went back and forth a little bit, but the more I thought about it, the more I went, I'll, I'll take what Illinois is doing right now. I just, I have too many hesitations about specific things when it comes to Purdue that I didn't think I was going to have. I really am I'm having a hard time with this one because there are a couple, a couple things. We're a third into the schedule, so it's not like we're just barely into the schedule. Mm-hmm. 20 games, we've, you know, Purdue's played six, Illinois played seven, like we're a third of the way through. A game and a half back is not insignificant. But, you know, I look I, – I, I'm not all that scared by Purdue's Big Ten schedule, to be honest with you. Of their remaining games, the only – they don't play another ranked team on the road in Big Ten play until they play Michigan State on February 26th. They get Ohio State at home. And they get Illinois at home. In theory, a game that they just won in Champaign. They have a pretty good chance to win it at home. And 
as much as I, as impressed as I am by Illinois, when you have two guys that are just as big as Kofi Coburn to throw at them, just in that, in that, like, in that matchup in particular. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to hang on to my Purdue prediction for right now. Because as worried as I am about them, they did just go to Illinois and win. Right. Um, (laughs) It's not like, yeah, they're coming off an awfully impressive performance. And I mean, when we, when I look at the schedule, you know, it's IU Northwestern Iowa. That's the next three. IU doesn't beat Purdue like literally ever, at least like in the last five or six years. Um, and that that team is not going to be able to score with Purdue. They're just not, especially when you can put – when you have just the ridiculous – now, Trace Jackson Davis is a is a incredibly technically skilled big man, but it's not like he shoots a ton of threes and can pull Travion Williams and Zach Eady away from the basket. He's incredibly gifted around the rim as a slightly undersized big. Um but I, I, I still believe in them enough to think that they can get to 15, 16 wins. 15 probably is probably the, the cap. But I, you know, I don't I – st- I, I, I'm still not going to bet on Wisconsin to win this conference because, like, they – like, Johnny Davis is too important and they're too vulnerable. I will continue to harp on too vulnerable when – he doesn't play super well. Like Brad Davison scoring 25 is like never going to happen again. So him scoring 25 against Ohio state, like anyways, I'm rambling at this point. I'll hold on to my Purdue for right now. Maybe that'll come back to bite me, but I still think they can win enough games to win the conference. And they just beat Illinois on the road. So like, you know, (laughs) Okay, Big 12. Kansas. You had Kansas, right? Yep. The Jayhawks. I said nobody wins the Big 12 like Bill Self does, especially when he's got the best team in the conference. We'll see how that's going on January 17th. Are you sticking with the Kansas Jayhawks? I am. You are? Interesting. I thought that might surprise you. I mean, it's not the most ridiculous thing you've come in here to say, but like, <laughs> what is is there something you got on top of your mind? I I mean, probably trying to convince me that Nebraska has a chance to get oh. that large bid, something like that. <laughs> but you also, I also, I also wrote off you trying to convince me that Iowa State had a chance to get an at large bid, and here they are in a pretty good <laughs> spot to get an actual at large bid. But um, no, you you telling me that that the Jayhawks are going to win this conference is, uh, is not exactly a, not exactly a, a mind blowing thing to say, but tell me why. It ultimately came down to this for me. Baylor just lost two games that are not among at least the five toughest they play in their conference game. Right. You can go back and forth about is at Iowa state or at Oklahoma or something tougher than home against Texas Tech. The point being, it wasn't the Kansas games. It wasn't the Texas games. 
it was home games. Kansas doesn't do that. Ever. Even in that even in that stretch where they lost three or four in a row or whatever it was. I believe, at least I feel like at least two of those were on the road. Maybe I'm wrong. But right, people don't go into Fog Allen and, ever, let alone a really good Kansas team, right? That Kansas team just wasn't that good. They were good, but not great. A Kansas team capable of winning this conference is not going to let that happen. They're going to lose some games. I still have major questions. They are not as good as I thought they were going to be by any stretch of the imagination. But Baylor just scored 58 points, an average of 58 points in two home games. If you're capable of doing that, to me, you're not going to beat this Kansas team, especially when Bill Self is only going to get these guys better as the season goes along. And they looked awfully good over the weekend. It's really hard to it's really hard to sit here on January 17th and said that a Kansas team that is winning this conference right now, by the way, yep, is not going to go and win this conference. Especially when they've already got the at Texas tech game, right? Here's, here's, here's basically what it's coming down to February 5th and February 26th. They're two games against Baylor. That's what it's going to come down to because I don't think, right, the other team in the conversation here is Texas Tech. I don't think Texas said, like, if you think Baylor's not going to score enough points to win the conference, you definitely don't think Texas Tech is going to win to score enough points to win the conference. Um, which is why this one is tough for me. And it's a little bit like, hey, I don't have enough evidence necessarily to suggest otherwise. It's it, right. It's like clear and conclusive evidence to overturn, to, to overturn the call. And like, to be honest, let me let me enlighten you with the box score from uh, Kansas game against West Virginia. Uh, Jalen Wilson, 23-8-5 on 10 of 13 shooting. It's quite the stat line. Ochag Baji, 10-7, sorry, 8 of 17 from the, th- from the field, 4 of 8 from the three-point line. He and Jalen Wilson were 7 of 14 combined. And then David McCormack, who showed up as the David McCormack we were expecting to average a double-double. 19 points, 15 rebounds. 9 of 13 shooting. I mean, like, like there's your formula, dog. Yep. There, I mean, Christian, Christian Brown was 3 of 10 from the field, 8, 6, and 5, with 5 blocks. Can we talk? Hold on. We need to stop for a second here and talk about Christian Brown and his 5 blocks. Okay. He's- He's he's that he's the next guy in that category of people who don't look like great athletes, but is very quietly a much better athlete than most people on the floor. Probably, <laughs> but like he's a he's a guy that you right his offensive game in particular is like doesn't lend itself to showing off his athleticism all the time. Yeah, but then he goes uh, and dunks the ball, and you go, oh, <laughs> right, right. Um, I want to cop out and be like that like Baylor probably I mean when you at this point 
like Baylor has to have a better record and Baylor's played one more conference game at this point. Um, Kansas plays. Can I cop out like that? Can I say if Kansas wins on the road at Oklahoma tomorrow, then it's Kansas. Can I, can I do that? Is that a cop out? Um, I think it comes down to if they split, if the, if Baylor and Kansas split, I think Kansas gets it. Um, and if anything better than that, of course, um, but if they go zero and two against Baylor, and I guess that's I guess that's what we're talking about here. Like if Baylor, if Baylor is only going to score, if Baylor's going to have those nights throughout Big Twelve play where they're going to fail to score sixty five, then it's really hard to suggest that they're going to win the conference. But like also, I watched them for a month and a half score plenty of points, right? Or two and a half months, whatever score this plenty of points phenomenon. and and um hmm. i've got too many variables like if if david mccormack shows up like he did on saturday i don't think it's particularly close if baylor returns to scoring 75 to 80 a game then like they absolutely can win this conference but if I'm getting 65 or less from them and from them in big 12 play, <gasps> excuse me, then like they're not going to win the conference. This is unfair. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to stick with the Jayhawks. Um, I didn't think a week, if we did this a week ago, yep. I, there's no shot. Nope. Um, but you know, I, I still think that Bill self has the, best roster in the conference especially if they if you get the production that you got against west virginia or at least that you know that vibe of of production and still nobody wins the big 12 like bill self and if you're giving me them being alone and first in the conference on january 17th i think it might just be silly to not take it especially after the week we just saw so i'll stick with them as well thank you for working with me while i talking myself in circles the big east the last of the bigs um can we spend like seven seconds on this please had to think really hard um villanova has gone from like villanova might not be that good all the way back to yeah villanova will probably be probably be a one seed in the ncaa tournament in about two and a half weeks um their most recent victim is butler by 40 my god And like that, okay, we don't need to talk about that anymore. Um, Villanova beat Butler by 40 this week. Um, Villanova is third at Kempom at this point. Villanova is six and one conference. Providence is the next closest in the win column uh, and, you know, and the loss column at four and one. Um, Villanova at Kempom is projected to finish this, the Biggie schedule at 17 and three and the closest competitor would be Xavier at 13 and six. Um, well you, and I guess you would need to add Xavier had a game postponed in there somewhere. So it would be, you know, 14 and six, 13 and seven, something like that. Yeah. We don't need to talk about this, that anymore. Uh, they're top 13 in offensive and defensive efficiency. And, uh, they're 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 gonna be just fine according to Kim Palm. They have three of the five best players in the conference. So we move on. Uh oh. no what that was that was more than I was gonna say. Yeah. I, uh 
There's nah. one I'm going to get my thought out. I'm just Thank messing you. with you now. I know. <laughs> Took me a minute to realize that. The only team capable of catching them at this point is Providence. And yeah, Providence is already back two games back in the win column, like you said. Mm-hmm. So that's all I wanted to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the Big East continues to run through Philly uh, with the, the, Jay Wright and the Wildcats. And we'll probably see them with a, with a two seed at worst on Selection Sunday. Um, but but uh, we shall we shall move on the biggies. That's that's an easy one. Let's go to the Pac-12. I had Ukla. You had as, as Ukla. You had Ukla. Are you moving on from Ukla as well? No. Really? Yeah. You're not moving on from Ukla. Okay, tell no. me why. I still guess I'm just hesitant on Arizona. Can I ask why? I asked myself that question multiple times. Their only road game they played was Oregon State, which I just don't put much stock in. So I wanted – this is another one where I want another week or so and maybe I would change my two. I just want to see a little bit more from them. And unfortunately, one of those data points we got postponed because of COVID. Uh-huh. You were talking about the head-to-head matchups in the Big 12. To me, the conference I'm really looking at those is the Pac-12. Sure. January 25th, February 3rd. However that shakes out is going to determine who, whether somebody wins this outright, whether they share it. To me, it's going to be that close. I thought it was going to be that close between UCLA and Oregon. I do not think Oregon will make it that close at this point, even though I guess theoretically they have a chance. But to me, this is, this is about UCLA and Arizona. There's just a... And there is no good logic for me here because me talking about UCLA, trusting UCLA to be consistent goes against what I was saying at the beginning of the season and all off season. And at the same time, I, I just have a hard time believing Arizona is going to continue to just a group of players that has never done this over an entire season. Mm-hmm. And, and managed the ups and downs of conference play with a first-time head coach, I just have a hard time hard time believing they're going to do it to the point where they're going to win it outright. That's about as good as I've got. Are you taking Arizona? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I, I guess in short... Um, Arizona hasn't lost at home yet and UCLA lost at home I mean and nobody's gotten even close to Arizona at home yet like and the other part of this is this is weird like I mean like Utah has played eight conference games but nobody at the top of the conference has played more like UCLA and Arizona have only played four Mm -hmm. and you know we're talking about like like Nova, we just talked about Nova. They've played seven. So it's a little weird. Like at this point, Arizona is supposed to have played both UCLA and USC. Right. And like, there's a small part of me that's like, does Oregon have two wins that anybody else is going to have? Is anybody else going to beat UCLA and USC on the road? 
Probably not. No, they also have two losses that very few teams are going to have. Yeah, I don't see Arizona losing those games. Right, but from a right, it's like it's like yeah, making a birdie on a par five is nice, but if the entire field is going to make a birdie on that par five, does it really does it really matter? The answer is no. But like, if you make a really good par on a tough par four, even though it's not sexy, like that's still we're still gaining strokes on the field so like i guess what i'm saying is that i haven't gotten to see arizona get a chance to gain any strokes on the field mm-hmm. i think um, that's i just keep coming back to that that i'm going to default to what i've seen until i have enough information to go in a different direction and through no fault of their own just missing three four conference you know have, close to half of the games you're supposed to have played at this point prohibits that information from being there for Arizona. I saw what UCLA did last year and what they looked like before they got shut down. And they played better teams. That's part of it too, is that Arizona's wins are not as impressive as they might've looked like at one point. Yeah. I don't know. Um, That's the real answer. I think Arizona has been the better team this year. If you ask me who's the better team this year, I would say Arizona. So I'm not going to make it more complicated than that. And they're four and zero in conference. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make it more complicated than that. Um, but you're right that like, if they lose to UCLA twice, then they're probably not going to win the conference. Cause there's probably not, not enough wins, but like they're 14 and one, their only loss that comes to comes at Tennessee. They won at Illinois. Um, oh, I forgot about Yeah. And like, also, they don't let any other any of the bad Pac-12 teams come anywhere close. I will go wholeheartedly agree. They have been more impressive than UCLA they, so far. They've beat Oregon State. They beat Oregon State by twenty-five. They beat Washington by twenty by sixteen. They beat Colorado by eleven, and they beat Utah by twenty. Like that's the that that might be the that's as important as the head-to-heads are taking care of the teams that you're always supposed to take care of in conference is like, get you a long way. Um, so I'm not going to make it more, more complicated than that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Arizona because they are winning the conference now. And I think they've been better than UCLA so far, regardless of who the teams they happen to be playing on their schedule are. So that's good enough for me. Last one, the SEC. About two months ago, I, I, I sat here on this here very podcast, said that the winner of the SEC was going to be the Kentucky Wildcats. Mr. Doring, are you going to – Did you, you went Kentucky too, correct? Oh, yeah. We're not going we're, – we're in agreement here, right? We're not going with the Wildcats anymore? Or are you about to drop a bomb here? Oh, no. Okay. You're telling me no, that the second that the number two team in the country has done enough to convince you that they can win the SEC. We've gone from the Cats to the Tigers. Would you rather whether it be a Wildcat or a Tiger? Tiger. I think I gotta be. I get like because like I almost want to ask what's a Wildcat. Yeah. Are exactly. all Tigers Wildcats, but not all Wildcats Tigers? <laughs> Is that correct? Is that a thing? Hold on. What are wild? It's like you're right here next to me. You guys can hear the keyboard. What are wildcats? The wildcat is a species complex comprising two 
two small wildcat species, the European wildcat and the African wildcat. So no. So no. <laughs> what are tigers? The tiger is the largest living, living cat. No, no contest. I'm a tiger. No contest. No con. They could run 30 to 40 miles an hour. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. The mass of an adult is anywhere between 200 and 680 pounds. And then it's quite what a range. Are, that is quite a range. What are wildcats? Wildcats. Let's see. Characteristics. A wildcat has pointy ears. Thank you. <laughs> Normally weigh between 11 and 18 pounds. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All righty. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve my tiger a wildcat for dinner for like entree for like appetizer, though. Okay. Easy, easy decision. Back We're going tigers. Schedule programming. Auburn what are you talking about? Of- I'm talking about the Tigers and the Wildcats. I don't know what you're talking about here. They're 5-0. and They're 16-1. and They play good defense. Bruce Pearl's their coach, and they have yep. a top three pick in the NBA draft, if not the number one overall pick. And uh, they've more than looked the part so far. They've, you know, if you want to talk about their wins, they have wins over LSU and Alabama already. Um, they, they get Kentucky on the 22nd of this month. And the only other ranked team they play as of right now is not until they play Tennessee on the 26th of February. They do have Alabama in there, but Alabama fell out of the rankings. Um, this one is about, it's not quite as easy as Villanova, but it's pretty close. And Kentucky is there. This could get, I actually think this is going to be relatively close. Relatively meaning what? Game or two. Okay. I could absolutely see Kentucky finishing a game behind Auburn. Just because nobody else is scaring me at this point. Sure. And Kentucky is Kentucky's playing well. Kentucky is playing well. They're just not on this. They're they're a tier below. They they can't do all of the things the way Auburn can. And, of course, you've got a Walker Kessler to deal with Oscar Sheboy when that matchup comes here in a few days. Kentucky absolutely has to win that game for this to be a real battle. Otherwise, if you spot Auburn that kind of cushion, yeah. they're. And, again, my favorite thing about this team is how consistent they are every single night. They don't mm-hmm. make things more stressful than they need to be. They haven't really had a bad game yet. They easily could be undefeated. Doesn't matter who they play, where they play them. This is, I think, what was I reading this morning? I think over the last, was it the last three years, something like that? Auburn has the best record in the SEC. That, I mean, checks out. Going back to, Right, because they had a regular season championship and then they weren't good last. Maybe that's what it was. I don't remember what this time span was, but Bruce Pearl absolutely knows how to navigate this conference. Mm-hmm. And I really like this Kentucky team. They're just not quite on the same level. Clearly, we all just undersold Auburn at the beginning of the year. That's the lesson we learned. Let's see, they went they went twelve and six the year before after going seven and eleven last year. 
then uh, when they went to the final four, they, they were eleven and the seven. Conference. They were eleven and seven. But when you think like Kentucky had a couple like a bad year, right? And let's see if you go to eighteen nineteen, the Tigers. Sorry, no, not eighteen nineteen, seventeen eighteen. Excuse me. Finished thirteen and five in the conference that year. So that was the yeah. That would check out. They lost to thirty. They lost by to Clemson by thirty in the second round that year. Oh, that's what, right. What in the world happened in that game? Let's look at the let's look at the box score. Oh, it's the last five seasons. No SEC team gotcha. has won more conference games than Auburn. Gabe DeVoe, 22, 22 five and five for the for the for the Clemson Tigers, the bigger Tigers on this particular day. You know what happened? Same thing, you know, they they went seven of thirty-two from the three-point line. Yeah, that'll do it. When Bryce Brown and Jared Harper, when they combined six of twenty-five from the field, and Mustafa Heron is adds another three of ten from the field, it's kind of hard to uh kind of hard to win that game. Anyways, they got outscored yeah. by twenty-four in the first half. Twenty-four. It was forty-three to nineteen at halftime. I, th- I believe that was the Auburn team I had picked to. Was that the Auburn team I had picked to be number one seed, Kansas? I don't know. I think I don't know. I'm not gonna. Act. I can barely remember who played on Saturday, much less what <laughs> seed somebody was in the 2018 NCAA tournament. Okay, there you go. That's the six conferences. We'll reevaluate again because we might be wrong again. Um, if you, which conference are you least? Uh, least confident in your your pick here even on even halfway through january because for me it's the big 10 and it's not particularly close yeah i think i think i'm if for no other reason other than like i'm pretty sure it's either gonna be i would be really surprised if it's not kansas or baylor but like if you told me it was illinois or purdue or michigan state or ohio state that found a way to or wisconsin like there's like four or five teams that i'd be like okay it wouldn't shock me if they won the conference i really really think it's going to be purdue or illinois so and like that's probably in like i would also agree with that but you're telling me that you'd be would you be more surprised if texas tech won the conference or if michigan state won the conference uh, my answer would be Big Ten for that like, reason, and because I still think Purdue has the highest ceiling of any team in the conference. Okay, that's fair. But it is close. And by the way, yes, that was a a four four or five matchup between Auburn and Clemson on Kansas's side of the bracket. I believe gotcha. I had picked Auburn to beat Kansas. That's why I remember being very upset about the results of that game. Gotcha. Okay, sir. Anything else? It's almost 10 o'clock. Let's get out of here. Anything else for us? No, we've got more good games coming. This is this is the good stuff. We do have more game more good games coming. We uh we'll be back on Thursday to discuss some of those games, I'm sure. And uh until then, please take care of yourselves. Please be nice to each other. And we'll see you sometime later this week. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast and that podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. 
and uh, we'll see you in a few days. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Jay's Jay's Podcast. I'm Josh, he's Josh, and we will see you later.